0: Hi friends, welcome to another episode of Starting with a Song. I'm your host, Amanda Mazzo, and am I the only one getting a little stir crazy here? The past two weeks have felt like one blow after another here in Nashville. First, the tornado, and now, a global pandemic. With all the recent cancellations in the news, I just wanted to open with this reminder. Conversations will not be canceled. Relationships will not be canceled. Love will not be canceled. Songs will not be canceled. Reading will not be canceled. Self-care will not be canceled. And hope will not be canceled. Whether you agree with media recommendations or not, let's use this time to lean into the good stuff that remains. Let's rest. Love others from afar. Let's start with a song and keep singing coincidentally my guest and i talk about some of this very same stuff to Nashvilleian, she needs no introduction but for everyone else i hope you enjoy this conversation with artist speaker comedian and founder of the nashville creative group beth english i okay. see you babe. Okay. okay there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i am super excited to have you on the podcast today beth I've known who you are for a very long time, and I know that sounds creepy, but your name is just synonymous with the art community in Nashville. You know, as I graduated from college and then started trying to find my own creative community and just started doing searches and stuff, that's when I was like, oh, Beth English. She's just in charge of everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in charge of nothing. (laughs) Then the cool thing, actually meeting you and getting to know you and then realizing you
1: live like right down the street. That's wild. I walk past your house all the time. I'm like, hello. Hello. Hello.
0: <laughs> so funny. So thanks again you're for welcome. coming. I'm you, really excited. So you have you hit record yet? Oh, yeah, we're going. Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm super silly. Oh, my gosh. But you're like a pro. You've done all these podcasts and been on stage and you're traveling and you've done videos. And so... 'm gonna I'm gonna learn a lot I'm I love the microphone yeah
1: I think because as a child I grew up my father is a songwriter and composer and musician you're kidding so he had not like professionally but that's what he is yeah you know, he um, always had fun toys to play with we oh had a music gosh. room so my brothers and I were always playing with the microphones and all the equipment where we could slow up. Slow down our voice and speed it up. Yeah, we had keyboards (laughs) and guitars and uh, piano and... All kinds of stuff. So your childhood, you're from Texas, right? I'm from the Gulf Coast, Texas, Port Arthur. It's near Louisiana. Like literally I can see Louisiana from Port Arthur. So when you cross the border. Yeah. Okay. That's about where we are, but on the coast and the border, I-10 goes up about 20 miles from the coast. So we're right there on the coast. Oh my gosh. The pictures you post of that water is insane. Well, that's not Port Arthur. Oh, (laughs) sorry. let me make that clear. Port Arthur is an oil refining town. The beaches Got are it. brown, the soil is wet, the air is thick with smog. Oh my gosh! They recently had a big explosion out there and had to evacuate a bunch of people <gasps> from the ref- you know from the area, but. And your family um, and everybody's okay. Yeah, everyone's fine. Most of my family lives in the in central Texas now. Okay. So those pictures you see me posting yes. when I visit my parents, that's in a place called Rio Frio, Texas. It's oh in the gosh. hill country, about ninety miles west of San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. So it's a river out and it's there. And super it's super clear. Like, it's spring fed, right? Gosh, so it's only beautiful. about two hundred miles. And um it's gorgeous. Yeah. We grew up going there every summer. Oh my gosh. Tube in the river. That's what Texans do. They tube the river. And, um, so it was their dream to build a house and live on the river. And so they did that. How long have they been out there? A year. Oh, pretty recent then. Okay. Yeah. They just retired. And, um, during that time they were building and coordinating everything, so. That is awesome. Yeah. So how many siblings do you have? You said you. I have two older brothers. brothers. okay. Mm
0: -hmm. I think while you're actually like playing in the music room, did you find an
1: instrument you liked? I did. I started playing piano when I was four and I still play piano. I love, I love piano. Yeah. 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 I'm better at piano than I am guitar, but piano, I studied classical music. Oh, did you? Okay. um, I love classical music. Like, you remember when Columbia House had those... Uh, the CDs? Yeah, the yes. CDs for, like, a penny. You could get,
0: what was it, like, 12 or 15 of them or yeah. something crazy? all of mine were classical music. Whoa! <laughs> That's how cool I am. But they, seriously, like though... Beethoven like Beethoven and Mozart. They, um, the studies show that it helps your brain. I mean, when you're trying to retain information or when you're trying to, you know, do an activity like even painting or anything just to have that classical music going on in the background. My, I know this because my mother is in education. And when I was in school, she's pushing that big time. Like this will help you study. You know, if we're going to play Mozart or well, I Beethoven. didn't do it for <laughs> that. I just liked
1: it. I was a dancer. So oh. as a ballerina, that's what you practice to. Yeah. So I was raised on classical music in the dance studio and played it on the piano and still love it. I'm like, oh, you want to hear my favorite classical song? Like going to the symphony is such a treat. Yeah. I love the orchestra. Well, when did you start dancing?
0: At three. So you're doing this at the same time. You're playing piano, you're dancing, you're just kind of immersed in that. I call
1: myself a dance child because that's all I did from like three to 18. I just danced. And that's All all ballet, ballet, jazz, tap, Lyrical, oh, all of every, Everything. I did competitions. It was just like, that was a big part of my life. I, you know, if I wasn't in school, I was at the dance studio or okay. in the band hall.
0: Okay. And in the band hall, I played, where you play? I played
1: marimba because I played piano. They moved me. Now
0: that's the one, it's kind of like a big xylophone, right? And you've it, got like. Right. But it's made out of fiberglass. Oh. No, Xylophones are made out of fiberglass. Marimbas are made out of wood. Yes. Okay. And you goes, have yeah. the mallets like. Mm-hmm.
1: So I multiple played with, mallets I played with four mallets and I'd go to like competitions and stuff playing marumba. I love
0: watching those people play. I'm like, it's so how? fun. How do you do
1: that? It's so fun. <laughs> but they had to move me off marumba and put me on timpani because there wasn't another player. Our band was very small. <laughs> so when I was like, I would go back and forth from all types of different percussion instruments. I love playing the quads. I love playing the snare drum, I love drums, too, but I wasn't that great at it. It's so funny that you got to
0: be put on marimba because you were a piano player, but then, you know, you just kind of like went around to all the different percussion just because you were playing marimba. And you
1: see, I'm not the best at reading music. Okay. (laughs) So I I mostly would play by ear. Like I know my notes and I know them on the staff, but the rhythm was always hard for me. So I would just play whatever the trumpets were playing. That's how I knew. Oh, that's But I mean, funny. I could read it, but sight reading
0: was so hard. It is hard. Yeah. When I was in college, we had to do, um, I was a music major. And so we had to do ear training, which mm-hmm. is, that's all it is. You're sitting there and you're looking at a piece of music and you're just singing whatever you see on the piece of paper. I mean, that was just... Ugh! super intimidating.
1: I was going to music (laughs) theory competitions when I was like eight years old. I would take a test and I would have to like answer questions and then I'd have to go perform in front of a panel of judges. The performing sounds okay. The test in theory
0: sounds (laughs) like a nightmare. (laughs) I'm like eight and this is what I'm doing. awful.
1: (laughs) But you probably learned a lot. My piano teacher just wanted me to do it. So I did. She was a nice lady. So yeah, I would go to I went to piano lessons uh, when I was eight. And then I started piano lessons in middle school. And then in college, I took more piano lessons.
0: So you're you said you listened to a lot of classical
1: music. Mm-hmm. What were some of your favorites? Um Beethoven's my favorite composer. Okay. Any pieces what? of his that stand out? Well, or? I learned to play Moonlight Sonata. Oh um, yeah. That was one of my favorites. It's so emotional. Mm-hmm. And um I was a very emotional. I'm still unemotional. I'm I'm an empath, so I can. <laughs> yeah. So it can. I connected with the emotion of the piece. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I get it, especially I think when you're coming into that time in your life too, in high school, and just trying to figure yourself out and figure out, you know, creatively who you are. And that's a lot. Well, I had those
1: CDs from Columbia House. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in to play. and I would sit there with my cd player and my headphones and sheet music and I would just uh, bar by bar figure out how to play both hands and memorized it so it was multi-layered yeah <laughs> hey you gotta find out what works for you, you yeah, know? right
0: no wrong way in my opinion yeah so you were in Texas at this time mm-hmm. tell me about how you got to Nashville well, I know that's probably like a long, <laughs> like for me, I'm like, well, we moved here and moved here. So there's always a, a long story. I'll give
1: you the short story. Okay. Okay. So when I was 16, I went on a scuba diving trip to Mexico and it was the best time. What part of Mexico? It was, um, South of Cancun in a place called Aqua Mall. Uh, the Bay of Turtles. Yeah. I love that place. Yeah. Yes. And after that, I was like, you know what? I think I want to be a scuba-dabbit instructor. And so I went to college and freshman, I was in business school because I thought, well, that's a smart idea. And Were you going to school in Texas? I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Okay. And then um, I went to the guidance counselor or someone that they give they let freshmen talk to about what am I <laughs> going to do with my life? And I was like, I really just wanted to be a scuba instructor. And they were like, how did that go over? They were like, well, why don't you just do that? I was like, "Okay." So I became a scuba instructor and I was working for the university senior year. And my plan was to graduate and find a job somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I gave myself a year after graduation to do that. So I worked a bunch of different odd jobs. At one point I had like four or five different jobs, um, but I loved it. And um, I found a job. And uh, moved to the Bahamas. And how do you even. <laughs> well, that's a whole nother story. I mean, but I'm
0: just thinking <laughs> like, so you want to be a scuba instructor. Cool. How do you go? I can have the entire world. You know, you you're casting this massive net to do this job. Mm-hmm. I, that feels really overwhelming to me.
1: I don't know. I just wanted to do it. And I had, yeah. and I. It was hard to get a job because I'm a Naui Dive Instructor, which is a National Association of Underwater Instructors. Okay. And most dive shops around the world are PADI, um, which is a recreational- I didn't know there was a difference. branch of the diving world. So okay. when the Navy started teaching diving, um, it it branched into two different ideas of how it should be taught recreationally. Okay. And so I was in the one that was more like science-based and- You know, where Patty's more like, just put them in a tank and throw them in the water. They'll be fine. (laughs) But they won't. (laughs) They'll learn how to swim. (laughs) (laughs) So most dive shops around the world are Patty. And so since I was a Nawi diver, you know, I couldn't get on their insurance and stuff. So it was more challenging because there was less places to choose from. And so I just chose all the the dive shops around the world that were Naui and started sending emails. Oh my! Gosh. I actually got the job in Bahamas through like a weird circumstance. But um, so I went there for four months. That didn't work out. So I left and went to St. Croix and had a mm. job there. And I lived on St. Croix for about a year. It was uh, not the dream I had in my mind. And so I came back to the States. And when I came back to the States, I moved to Nashville. You know, I wonder about that sometimes because like we'll take vacations. And I'm like
0: this is beautiful. I mean, even Akamal or like beautiful, Puerto Vallarta. It's we dangerous. And then I stop and think, you know, how would life really be? How would I do this? I have a cat. How am I going to get the cat here? <laughs> like I, I would consider myself to be a fairly brave person, but I don't know that I could do something like that.
1: Well, I remember landing in St. Croix and getting picked up by people I'd never met and staying at their house you know and how old were you i was 23 and uh i said oh no what have i gotten myself into again <laughs> cuz the bahamas was a disaster not really a disaster it just didn't live up to your expectations none of it did yeah i think we have this idea of what that's like and it's exactly what it is it's an illusion mm-hmm. you know because when you get there it's uh it's really hard to make money it's mm-hmm. uh, it's not safe in some parts, you know, I definitely lived on the wrong side of the island, but hey. You live, you learn. You live, you learn. Yeah.
0: I mean, I know Austin and Nashville are pretty similar, or so I've heard. I've never been to Austin. It's on my list. But um, did you just decide that you wanted to try
1: someplace new, or did you already have a tie to Nashville somehow? I was playing music and writing songs and singing, and so since I was had already lived in Austin for five years... Mm-hmm. I thought I'll go to Nashville. And tell me about the music that you
0: were writing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about that. <laughs> Cause you were, you were listening to a lot of classical. Did that change at all as you were growing up and in school and then. Oh yeah. Getting because in jobs.
1: I'm from Port Arthur, which is where UGK is from. Mm-hmm. It's they really Pempsey and Bun B like truly changed um, rap music when in the nineties. And so I grew up to nineties twerk music. Oh yeah. So my musical taste is very broad. Yes. But the music I was writing was very emotional and more on the folk music side, Mm -hmm. finger picking, like that's how I play guitar Mm -hmm. finger pick. And, um, it was like, you know, I was a brand new songwriter. Yeah. So they weren't, they weren't that great. I remember just learning how to play in front of people was a challenge. So did you get here and do like open mics? Yeah. I even took um, a performance anxiety class. Whoa. Mm -hmm. It really, truly changed me. What does that even look like? Uh, Mostly, like, how do you prepare mentally the entire day before a show, Mm -hmm. your breathing exercises, how you um, support yourself with your breath before you go on stage? Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, man, she taught me how to breathe. I needed that. One of the things that I loved
0: when you spoke at Creative Mornings, and that's how we met, you know, through Creative Mornings here in Nashville, you stopped the room and taught us how to breathe. Mm -hmm. And it was such a... You ha- I don't even know what it's called, that illustration that was on the, um, well, not an illustration. It was it like, a, like
1: a GIF. Yeah,
0: like a GIF on the screen. And it was like, inhale, exhale to the timing of this GIF. That was, gosh, that was
1: 2017.
0: Yeah, but wasn't it like, it, it was, was either July. like springtime or it was July. Yeah. My f- grandfather had passed that June. And I just remember that being like, like sitting there watching it, breathing to the rhythm of it and feeling like, This is the first time that I've stopped and like taken time to breathe. Really? Yeah. Cause I feel like we go through our day to day and, you know, I don't, maybe I'm just generalizing here, but for me, like my shoulders are up, I'm at the computer. And how many times do we stop and go, okay, I'm here, I'm present and this isn't just another box that i check
1: you know right. i do it a lot actually cuz you know i want to have my energy at a state of peace and relaxation mm-hmm. that's real constant mm-hmm. and so when i am not that way i'm have a awareness to it right mm-hmm. it's, it's really strong awareness like hey this is happening why don't you slow down yeah So I'll just practice breathing exercises when I can to kind of like, I think your nervous system. I know for me, it just starts to feel like the anxiety and is bubbling up. Mm -hmm. And if I can just support myself with my breath, it definitely helps so much, especially in the car. Like I stopped listening to music in the car and just started breathing. There were like three books that came out at the end of
0: last year. And they all had to do with anti-hustle. I'm liking this new wave that I'm seeing of people being like, no, eh, it's, that. it's okay. You, you don't have to kill the game here. So I'm starting to see more patterns in my life of like, be intentional,
1: you know? You're I more mean, productive that way anyway. So yeah. I think it's counterintuitive to like work where you feel anxious mm-hmm. and you're buzzing around all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm... I have busy days and can go here and there but in between those moments I'm recentering. And I'm trying to get back to what feels right for me mm-hmm. because Gosh, that's so important. Otherwise, I'm missing out on a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't want to miss out on life. And it's funny
0: too, you just said counterintuitive, but it is, I think that's why people hustle because they have FOMO and they, you know, they don't want to miss out on things, so they're trying to do a million different things at once in order to hit a million different things that they have to do after work or on the weekend or whatever. But it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You will fall apart. You will fall apart 100% on the floor <laughs> crying. It's not not benefiting anybody. <laughs> Gosh. I know yes. because I've been there. Right? <laughs> I mean, I I think that's probably more common than we think. And nobody Yeah,
1: I think will talk when you just that. take the time to ask someone how they're really doing, like they appreciate that so much. But you can't do that if you're, you know, one ear listening and one ear out the door. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you have to really be present, mm-hmm. I think, to make those meaningful connections. Agreed. So you you get to Nashville. Mm-hmm. You're playing open mic nights. And I'm singing my little heart you're out. You're singing your heart out. And it was just like, oh, I didn't come here to write music to pitch to publishers. That was never the intention. For me, I just wanted to be part of a community. And so I you just, just came here to, and I was also painting, for, and okay, I was just having fun. You yeah. know, like this is a, you know, this is a creative playground. Nashville is, and I mm. think if you think about it like that, you'll let yourself get involved in a lot of different things that you may have not, you know thought of initially or Mm -hmm. or like what's the most common thing to do oh yeah go to open mic but then you find yourself making friends meeting up at their house having jam sessions at their house and that's so much more fun Mm -hmm. than performing at an open mic to people who don't really care to listen Mm -hmm. I mean I was playing one night at 12th and Porter when it was down there is it still there I don't know 12th and Porter is the building's still there it hasn't been knocked down yeah. yet but it's something yeah. else the uh, what's around it is completely <laughs> different yeah but I was playing some music there songs that I love mm-hmm. and this man was like I didn't really like your music <gasps> he's like I like to dance and that wasn't dancing music was oh like, gosh I was like no problem I had fun yeah so I was doing that I was also painting we hadn't even
0: really talked about that but how did you was art just natural because you were growing up in this creative
1: household I don't know I just um I just start I just started painting and when I moved to Nashville oh so I just did it I didn't no one taught me I just you just wanted to try something new well I mean I love art Mm -hmm. and in college I was in art history and um really love the stories behind the artist mm-hmm. and the work and why they made the work and, mm-hmm. you know, felt like, wow, I want to do that. I love this lifestyle I'm learning about. And so I did. At the time, I was working full time for a real estate company doing all their marketing and advertising and graphics and things. And um, they were my first collectors. <gasps> The realtors would buy my work and and then I would get in shows and I would sell, and so I was selling pretty quickly, yeah, and um, you know, that's when social media really took fire in mm-hmm. two thousand and seven and eight mm-hmm. and um so I was blogging, I was doing newsletters, I was doing social media marketing, really building my brand online. So I was doing all of that, and um I was there three and a half years, and then I left, okay. And then um, was a creative director for an entertainment company. I had a lot of different jobs because when it came down to it, I knew what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't there yet. And I tried to go out on my own a lot, like a few times, and it didn't work out. Mm. So the fact that I've been self-employed for the last four years, like, blows me away. It's
0: pretty awesome. (laughs) I'm like, am I really doing this? (laughs) (laughs) I love that moment, though. I don't I was talking with another friend. She puts it like we're in a constant state of becoming. You know, I don't know that there's ever a point where um, like you can set a goal. And then when you maybe hit that goal or get to that point where you think everything's going to be great and I've made it. But that marker then ends up moving. Mm. And so um, but it is pretty cool to have that moment where you can wake up and go. And, and and just appreciate, maybe not feel like I've made it, you know, but at least like you look back and go, hey, I've been doing this for four years. That is
1: amazing. That's longer than any job I've ever had in my professional career. That's so awesome. So it still baffles me that I've been making it work, but that's through sheer determination. Yeah. You know, because well, it has not been easy at all.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're self-employed as well. Of course, there are days where I'm like... Not my favorite day. (laughs) You know, like you're panicking. This day is hard. (laughs) But ultimately, the things that are important to me having flexibility, getting to work with people that I like and want to work with and then inspire me to be more creative. Those things outweigh some of these other, I, and everybody's different. You know, some people prefer the money <laughs> or benefits mm-hmm. and um, I, or security. Yeah, so. I think living in the islands really
1: prepared me for this life.
0: Oh, wow. Interesting that you'll, you're now able to kind
1: of look back. Yeah, because, I mean, I didn't have anything. yeah. And most of the people there didn't either. So I got used to that type of lifestyle. And so I've been living that same lifestyle, you know, like I just made it work. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. If if this is what you want to do, you have to go all in.
0: So the next part to this, you know, we talked a little bit beforehand about how starting with a song got started. And you and I both attended the story conference last year, You know, hearing these stories about liminal space and um, I remember emailing you and you were like, I face the unknown every single day. This is going to be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true. I mean, when you are working for yourself or when you're responsible now for you, you still have bills, you still have all this other stuff. But it's so important to be true to who you are and to go after the things that you believe in, the really what
1: you want to prioritize for your life. You get to design it however you yeah. want. Yeah, You know, like I looked at my expenses and I said, how low can I make these? How, it's what's the minimum amount I need to bring in every month? And then I, 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 I started there. I do a lot it's of good. meal prepping, try to stay ahead of it because, because eating and all that just takes up time. And I would rather be, doing other things i know a bunch so of people I eat the exact that would disagree same, with you i, I know i know but i eat the exact same thing pretty much all the time yeah so i don't i don't think about it i have my favorites and i'm happy so hey and it makes meal prep easy yeah if you know which, you, <laughs> you know which. i mean have. i think i made oatmeal for two weeks in my crock pot yesterday so you make oatmeal in your crock pot yeah because it kept boiling do do over that? on the stove and i had to clean it up and it's the mess you just mix it it's the same proportions you just put it in there for about three hours and I wanted to make a double batch because I was because going then you can just a put it you can just put it and in I'll the fridge. Just it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Gosh, it that's so smart. Good. It's oh my god! It's oatmeal with cinnamon and mm, agave come and blueberry on. and coconut mm. milk. You know
0: what I love? Like I'm getting really <laughs> off topic, but when, when blueberries cook and they kind of burst
1: open, oh that's oh, the best! It's, so good. it's like a freaking cobbler. <laughs> For my breakfast. (laughs) Done. I'm doing this. I try to stay really healthy. Yeah. Because it's good for your brain. Yes. Uh, and, And everything has always been... When I found out I had brain trauma from being sexually abused, I started thinking about my brain in a whole different way. Mm. And so everything that I do tries to support the health of it. Um, that means, you know, like going outside to the lake, which we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, which mm-hmm. I do a lot. That means all the food I put into my body. That means exercise. That mm-hmm. means creating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I pretty much designed a life to support my brain health. Gosh, that's because so important. When you're suicidal and you hate your life and you're having panic attacks and dealing with PTSD, I mean, that's not a good place to be mm-hmm. in. I was um, my I was having some health stuff last year mm-hmm. at the end of the year, and my brain and my body weren't working together we're not working to So okay. I was falling, my balance was off. Oh man. I I fell into the wall and gave myself a black eye and it was uh it was really scary. Yeah. And so I went to the doctor and he basically was like your brain's running hot. You need to, you know, relax. I knew what to do. I dramatically changed my habits. Yeah, you have to at that point. So I got off caffeine, oh, wow. got off dairy, got off meat. Yeah got off alcohol, got off nicotine, just quit it all. Yeah. And it's, I've never felt more balanced and more focused now. And the only thing that I changed was my diet. We just think
0: three meals a day, we're eating. And that's just what we do to be alive. But like that has such an impact on everything. Like everything. uh, everything.
1: Yeah. To eat whole live foods, Uh to nourish your living body. Yeah. Versus eating dead processed foods it's like you know. it's like feeding cheerios to a plant it's not <laughs> it's not going to work but when you get into these times
0: and i think they do happen probably a lot more um for people that are self-employed like when you're facing the unknown when you don't know what's coming around the corner when you're waiting on answers or um the next job maybe how do you sing through that time?
1: It used to be a lot harder than it is now. Look, I've been through so many things that me not knowing where the money's coming from is not stressing me out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's other things that have been terrible for me to have to go through that that just doesn't seem like that big of a struggle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I was thinking about this question, probably the hardest time in my life, and I'm actually writing a, a story about it uh, with humor, actually, was is going to be good, was when I had just separated from my ex-husband. 30 days later, I was just laid off from a job, and I was all alone in this house, and I didn't know what to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the song I really love that helps me get through the tough times is called Leave It There. It's by um, Charles A. Tenley. He wrote it in 1916, and it goes a little bit like this. If the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, and you have to live on meager fare, just remember in his word how he fed the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. I love that. That's
0: beautiful.
1: Amen. And God's always going to take care of us. And so that's. What's gotten me through everything in life was my relationship to God. That's how I live my life. Like everything I'm doing, I'm not doing. God is doing all of it. Mm -hmm. Because I could not have imagined this life for myself. Like my imagination for my life pretty much had been fulfilled years ago. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just like, all right, show me what I have to do next. Guide me and direct me. And so I've been living by the spirit for a while Mm -hmm. now. And I just intuitively am guided by God. When I start to feel the pressure, I just remember who's in charge. When
0: you do learn that, and I can look at that and go, gosh, Amanda, it would be so much easier if you could just, you know, like you said, leave it there because it's not yours to carry. It's called surrender. It's tough. It's
1: tough. (laughs) Oh my God. I can't do it.
0: (laughs) It's so tough. It's so
1: easy when you just do it though. I know. I know. Plus, um, I don't know. I've had so many miraculous spiritual moments in my Mm. life that I look back at those and I'm like, yeah, God is always here. Mm. And you can't live through some of these experiences and not have that faith. You know, because I've seen it manifest in the earth, which is, it still blows my mind because I used to be an atheist, right? And so oh, wow, I was like, you know, totally skeptical of religion mm-hmm. and relationship. I grew up in church and oh, then I left okay. the church for probably about six years or mm-hmm. so and then came back mm-hmm. because I had experienced God's grace and the Holy Spirit in a way I had never before. And so it was right then and there that I was like, whatever that was, I'm signing up for it. I don't care. I just <laughs> want, I want that. <laughs> and That was just one experience. And I've had so many more, Like I love it when spiritual is made physical. Mm. And that to me just is the best. Mm-hmm. Like you have to open, like the face of a mustard seed, like it truly is that small. Like if you just give a little ounce of openness. Like someone was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, people, how they complain about Mm -hmm. things when they're going through tough times. I'm like, well, and I know they're non-believers or I hang out with non-believers all the time, Mm -hmm. which is Oh, I, I have said
0: many a time. I mean, I, and I'm just like, Hey, just throw, just throw Jesus name in there. You'll be good. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of friends that don't believe what I believe. And, um, I love them. Um, and, and I love them for loving me in spite of, the differences that we have, it's incredibly
1: important now that um, we love everybody. That's what Jesus did. Right. It's not necessarily, you know, hey, I got opinions. (laughs) I mean, we all have opinions. I I just,
0: uh, I, I heard somebody say the other day, you know, I wish that we could, remember that we actually have a lot more in common than we don't. Like the people, the things that people are arguing about online or whatever, it's the one thing that we don't have in common. We actually probably have a lot more in common, but we're not taking the time.
1: Well, I think when you feel pushback from somebody mm-hmm. in, in a certain way, if you meet them with defensiveness, then you'll never come That's to right. a place where you can communicate, right? Right. So that's why you should always show up with love and grace mm-hmm. and forgiveness. And don't take it personally. Don't make assumptions. Just know that whatever they're sharing is just a projection of what's going on inside of them.
0: So has there been anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about?
1: Well, right now, I feel most excited about speaking. It's like what I'm destined to do. I love doing keynotes. Yeah. Because that that it just feels invigorating i don't know I and love it. you're
0: telling people how to cultivate joy in their lives mm-hmm. and to lean into their own creativity because everybody's creative and people don't believe that
1: necessarily but they are they are mm-hmm. give me five minutes with that's them. right beth english i will show them their creative <laughs> side it's so true
0: <laughs> no i mean you're laughing but like it's so important you know i know and I hear people say that all the time. I can't draw or I'm not creative. And well, I'm like, think about the the decisions that you're making on a day-to-day basis. You are creative. I know. You're a problem solver. That's you all know? it is. That, that's creativity.
1: And, you know, I think about what I'm doing and, you know, I and I, when I condense it down, I think to myself, I'm a survivor of trauma who changed your brain, changed your life. And I use the creative process to do it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just teaching and telling people how I did it. And, the creative process is an amazing way to approach life Mm -hmm. because it's all about wonder. It's all about experimenting. It's all about curiosity. So there's no limitations, right? And it's a step-by-step process. So it's not like you're going to get where you want to go immediately. You're going to have to develop it. Like you would mold a piece of clay to make a pot, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that the creative process allows you to do is create an unfolding for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you said, we're all becoming. Yep. Constant state of becoming. And so when you live your life with an approach like that, anything is possible. There's so much to do, right? Not enough time to do it. Mm -hmm. So now just mash it all up. Save time. Boom, bam. You know, wash the dishes, watch Stephen Colbert at the same time. (laughs) multitasking <laughs> and creative ways. You know, I love all the late night guys yeah. um, because they're comedians Yes, and I love stand you up laugh. comedy. Yeah. And oh gosh, I, love I to didn't laugh. even,
0: we didn't even talk about that, Beth. I know. And I haven't even like talked about that with you. I just see like what you post on socials. Yeah. But Stand-up I is the best. love that. You're getting up on a stage. I mean, for me, that feels <laughs> getting up on a stage and telling jokes well, you have to write them first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't. I mean, you could just go up there and wing it, but no, I write all my work yeah. and, and But the thing, the idea was, you know, I'm building my speaking business. Yeah. I'm not speaking constantly, right? Mm-hmm. But I wanted to be able to be on stage as much as I need, as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So stand-up comedy gives me that opportunity to get up on stage. I could get up on stage, you know. Six times a week or however many open Gosh. mics that there are. And, yeah. I, and I was doing that. I went deep into stand-up. But it just gave me what I needed because speaking is, this is like training for a marathon. Right, right. So yeah, stand-up comedy is great. Yeah. Speaking is great. I'm excited about the, the new talks I'm writing, the new ideas I have. I mean, this year, that's all I'm focusing on is speaking. speaking. And painting. I, I just got all set up in my studio to... Video me painting. <gasps> that's exciting for Insta. Yeah, and I'm gonna do videos where I share some of the information I share in my talks. And I have a vision. I do. I have vision, so that's how I know what I'm doing, like where I'm going, because mm-hmm. I see it in my mind's eye, mm-hmm. and I do it. If I have to have the vision. I do it. Like that's how the joy bus came. Yeah, about, because I had a vision for artwork about joy, mm-hmm. and then I was able two years of this vision not coming to fruition until it did. And I it think was like, that's wow. so
0: important to mention. And that's something I didn't know. I saw pictures of the joy bus and I thought, man, that's so incredible. But to for people to know that it took and probably longer than that, just two years in your head,
1: two years in my head, painted it and another year passed and we pitched it to the bus, another six months passed. And then the bus happened. Wow. So, yeah, it's all that's what I'm saying. It's all an unfolding. Mm -hmm. Like You don't necessarily know where you're going or what you're doing or where it's going to lead you. Like, just do it Mm -hmm. and then let it show itself to you. That's right.
0: You don't have to have it all figured out on step one.
1: No one has it all figured out. And if you do, then you probably don't.
0: (laughs) Then you're lying. (laughs) It's like our Creative Mornings friend, Nick Dom that we were talking about earlier. He does dordles. These drawings on Instagram and at creative mornings, he printed out these posters and it's a picture of this little guy and he's happily, you know, he's jolly and walking along, but then there's these big block letters behind him and it says, I don't know what I'm doing. And we hang that up as a reminder because nobody does and we're all just doing the very best that we can with what we have and what we know at the time.
1: I was hosting this event and they were like, I don't know how to draw. I was like, well... (laughs) Good thing we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's right. Just
0: pick up a pen. <laughs> we're start just going to spin it around.
1: And so I led them through this process where I had them. You've seen my work. There's like a yeah. lot of swirly lines and stuff. So I was like, okay, I want you to fill in this space. And it was a small space. I was showing how your energy fills up containers mm-hmm. and how the size of the container determines um, the amount of energy that mm-hmm. you give. And so if it's a big container, you're thinking big and you're giving a lot of energy, but it's kind of it looks like a lot less work. Mm. It's kind of like when you're on the hamster wheel, you're giving out a little bit of energy in a small container. Yeah. Anyway, so I had them kind of visually draw this out. And then I was like, "Oh no, your life just turned upside down and turn your canvas around oh and gosh. do it again." And so they <laughs> did it again. And then I was like, "Oh my gosh, look. Now I want you to go and find the parts of it that you like. Mm. And I want you to accentuate them. Mm-hmm. And I want you to create from that place." Because when you're in the chaos, the only thing that's going to get you out of it is piecing it back together, especially with the things that you like mm-hmm. and that you enjoy, that you want to keep in your life. Mm-hmm. And everything else can just go away. Yeah, that's good. I do that all the time. I'm like, what am I doing that I need to stop doing Yeah, so that I can do more of the things I want to do? Yeah. And so. That's good. I have to sacrifice. Yes. Surrender.
0: Surrender. We're back. And we're back. I'm (laughs) surrendering. I surrender. Okay. The last question. Oh. Or maybe the first question because we just kind of been talking. But anyway, (laughs) this is a real question. Because the show is called Starting with a Song, what's your signature song?
1: I have signature songs for different things. I love it. Let's hear them. So. I have a signature song that I like to get hype to when I'm dancing. Okay. It's called DJ Turn It Up by Yellow Claw. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was listening to Pandora back when I was on Pandora. Now I'm on Spotify. Um, and they just, you know, play music that they think you want to hear. Yeah. And I heard it on there and was like, what?
0: I'm, I'm going to link
1: this so okay, everybody yeah. can
0: be jamming out. Dance to yeah. it. It's
1: clean. Okay. Um. That's why I like it too, because it's really just about having fun. Yeah, and and that's about it, and just turning it up. Yeah, let's and, do it. Um, But for my for my emotional side, I love Blackbird by Paul McCartney. Oh, it's beautiful because my dad always played that song growing oh, that's up. Sentimental, and so that was one of the first songs that I learned to play on guitar. Oh, because, I love that because he played it, and so I did. Oh, and I love so cool. Blackbird. And I yeah. have sort of like my own version that I like to play. Um, but yeah, it's because it makes me think of my dad. Those would be it, I would think. Those two. Mm-hmm.
0: Good choices. I like and on opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you never know. I'm a surprise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it. Thanks for coming by. I know it's kind of murky out, but you're bringing the joy, bringing the sunshine on the inside. That's right. That's what you got to (laughs) do. Thanks, Beth. Thank you, Amanda. Beth shared a great reminder on social media last week. She said, in uncertain times, do not stop creating. Artists are the encouragers that give the world hope. Thanks for spending some time with us today. You make today better. Go do something creative this week and share it with us on Instagram. You can connect with me at Artistic Amanda and Beth at Beth English. That's I-N-G-L-I-S-H. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to Starting With a Song and share the love with your friends. We'll see you back here in two weeks with Episode 7 on April 1st. And that is no joke.